We don't tend to like people who have a uh, high view of themselves, do we? It grates us when people openly act as if they're more important than everyone else. Uh, Several years ago, there was a 21st birthday party that I went to, and I was introduced to a fellow there who, he really did think he was the ant's pants. Uh, His only topic of conversation was himself, but it wasn't just that he was self-absorbed. It was that he genuinely seemed to think that his life had more importance than the rest of us. That the things he was involved in and his experience and his knowledge, it was as if it was his right to dominate and centre everything around himself. His self-importance, was it was breathtaking. Needless to say, I didn't warn to him very much. Now, have you ever met or known people like that? They're hard to like, aren't they? I mean, even when someone is important, we don't like it when they throw it around. Being Prime Minister, that's a reasonably important job in our country. But if Tony Abbott was to hold a press conference and use the opportunity to remind us mere mortals of his importance, we'd want him to get a grip, wouldn't we? We'd tell him, we'd like him to sit down, be quiet, stop being such a jerk. We really don't like it when people get an air of self-importance about them, even when they are important. Which makes our verses this morning pretty hard for us to read. Because Jesus is going to say some things about his own self-importance that are simply staggering. And it's not that he's being big-headed or arrogant or a jerk. It's just that he really knew that he was the most important person of all time and he was about to do the most significant thing in all human history. And so if we're going to call ourselves Christian or if we're thinking about who Jesus is and what does it mean to follow him, we need to understand what Jesus understood about himself, that he is the most significant, important person of all time, and so there is nothing more urgent than following him right now. Let's have a look. We're up to chapter 9, verse 51, and it is a watershed moment in Luke's Gospel. Everything in his gospel turns from this point on because now it's time. It's time for the kingdom of God to come. Look at it there, chapter 9, verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus' time on earth is almost over. So after all the preparation work that Jesus has done for the past three years as he's wandered around Israel teaching the people and healing the people, now the time has come for him to finish things. The kingdom of God is now at hand and so Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. No detours, no deviation, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Nothing was going to stop Jesus going to Jerusalem to bring in the kingdom of God. The thing is, this is kind of bad news for Israel at the time. Because at this stage, there's only a small number of Israelites who follow Jesus. As a nation, Israel had long been stuck in the rut of sin and Jesus had been warning them that if they persist in being stubborn towards God, then they would miss out on God's kingdom. Now, he hadn't got much of a response so far, but the time for him to bring in the kingdom of God, it was now here. And so as he makes one final climactic journey to Jerusalem, Jesus gives Israel one final chance to get on board, to follow him, 
to repent of their sin and to turn back to God. What we have from verse 51 on is King Jesus' final call for Israel. And as he begins his march to Jerusalem, Jesus sends messengers on ahead of him to get the people ready. First stop, Samaria. But they don't want a bar of him. Have a look, verse 52. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and they went to another village. Uh, James and John can obviously sense something of the importance of Jesus, can't they? And uh, something of the significance of the time. They want to wipe out an entire village because they've rejected Jesus. But as usual, the disciples are a little bit off the mark. Uh, They can sense the urgency, but Jesus tells them now's not the time for destruction. Uh, That time's coming, but it's not yet. So Jesus moves on. And he continues his way to Jerusalem. And as he goes, some people think of joining him. Now, you would think, wouldn't you, that Jesus would welcome a little bit more support at this time. And genuine followers would be more than welcome. But Jesus, he's not some film star that you follow on Twitter. No, he's the king bringing in God's kingdom. And so he makes this clear to his would-be followers. And it's here that we begin to see Jesus' staggering self-assessment, that his time, it is so critical that Israel has to follow him now, no matter what. Literally, no matter what. Look at what Jesus says to one guy from verse 59. Verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. How's that for being filled with self-importance? Can you imagine being told, let your dead dad bury himself because you haven't got time for him now. You need to follow me now. That's what Jesus was saying to Israel back then. As the long-awaited Christ, his time was now. He was bringing in God's kingdom now. That meant Israel's time was now. Like being in a house, in your house, as it's burning to the ground, it's not the time to admire your curtains. It's not the time to set the table for lunch. It's the time to go, to leave now. That's what Jesus is saying to Israel back then. The time is now. The kingdom of God is on its way now. Don't even go back and bury your dad. Follow me now. Jesus knew he was that important, that he made the time for Israel that urgent. So does all this mean we shouldn't be burying our families? Is Jesus saying the same thing to us? Uh, He's not, because what we're reading is Jesus' last call to national Israel. This was their last chance to be recognised as the unique people of God. Jesus was speaking to a particular people in a unique time of their history. But while we might not live in the time of Jesus' last call to national Israel, we do live in the time of waiting for Christ to come back and to fully bring in 
the kingdom of God. And we don't know when Jesus will come back. Could be in a thousand years or more. Could be today. We don't know. So the time for following Jesus is now. Don't delay. But since we don't know if the time is right now, we do do things like bury our parents. But don't let the unknown timing of Jesus' return lull you into complacency. As I said, Jesus could return any time. You don't know when you'll die. The time to follow Christ is now. But look back to Luke and in chapter 10 we're going to see another side of Jesus' self-assessment and it's that he says that the judgment of God will come on those who reject him. That is another massive call. I mean, if someone gives me the cold shoulder, that's not very nice. But I don't think that someone that God's then going to rain down his judgment on them because they've rejected me. But Jesus says that for people who reject him, God will come crashing down on them in judgment. He is that important. From verse 1 in chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 people to prepare the upcoming towns. And since this is their last chance, Jesus tells his messengers that if a town won't accept them, then just leave them. Don't hang around and try and persuade them. There's no time for that. If the people accept you and your message, great. But if they don't, just move on. Have a look at chapter 10. We'll pick it up in verse 8. Verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. It's ominous, isn't it? Whether Israel liked it or not, the message was the same. The kingdom of God is near. This was their last chance call. And Jesus tells his disciples, if the people don't like what you say, then just simply wipe their dust off your feet. Move on. And then in verse 12, Jesus pronounces the terrifying judgment of God on those who reject him. Verse 12. I tell you, it'll be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it'll be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. That's an extraordinary claim. Jesus is saying to reject me is to reject God. And so rejecting me will bring the judgment of God on your head. These are staggering claims. And it gets bigger because Jesus goes even so far as to say that he is bringing an end to Satan himself. Verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
as even Jesus' messengers went about telling people of the coming of God. Even that signalled the end of Satan. Because at the reign of King Jesus, there will be no opposition left. None at all. Not even the devil. So don't you be foolish. Don't toy with the Christ. Don't mess with the Christ. Fall at his feet. But we shouldn't just follow the Lord Jesus because of what will happen to us if we don't. From verse 20, we're given reasons to follow him because of what happens when we do. As the one who brings in God's kingdom, Jesus bears the goodness of God. He can even write people's names in heaven. Have a look at verse 20. Jesus said to the 72, verse 20, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In fact, Jesus could even reveal God the Father to people. Now look at verse 22. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. People knowing God the Father, that is something that only Christ Jesus can do for you. This this kingdom that Jesus brought in, it's the end of Satan. It's eternal life. It's knowledge of God the Father. It is everything that Israel had ever longed for. And Jesus is saying it is all coming because of him. He's very aware of his greatness. Everything that God had promised, everything that all the prophets of old had promised, everything that all the kings of old had longed for, it was all about to dawn, Jesus said, because he was finally here. Look at verse 23. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The great prophets and kings of Israel, Abraham, Moses, David, Solomon, Elijah, Isaiah, they all would have given their right arm to live at this time, to see the Christ heading to Jerusalem, to bring in the kingdom of God. This is it. And the disciples got to see it. And Jesus did go to Jerusalem. As we read at the end of Luke's gospel, he arrives in a fanfare. But a week after he gets there, he's led back out of Jerusalem to literally be nailed to some pieces of wood. And yet this is exactly how he was always going to bring in God's kingdom. Because it's at the cross that Jesus wins the forgiveness of sins So it's at the cross that Jesus rips the teeth out of Satan. It's at the cross that Jesus secures eternal life for his people. It's at the cross that the Lord Jesus brings us to the Father. And so, yes, he died an ugly death, but it was a death draped in victory. And so three days later, he rose from the dead, the Lord of all. And then he returned to God the Father. And just before he was taken up, Into heaven, we read in Matthew 28 that Jesus said these words to his disciples. You remember these ones? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go. Make disciples of all the nations. See, according to Jesus, he's risen from the dead as the ruler of all the world, which means all the world is to be made into his disciples. Because as we heard Jesus say, even just a couple of weeks ago, in Luke chapter 9, can you remember when Jesus said this? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. If you're ashamed of Jesus, ignore Jesus. If you reject Jesus, then when he comes again, he'll be ashamed of you. There'll never be a single person on this planet who doesn't come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king in God's kingdom and he's coming back to judge. Friends, if it was urgent back then for Israel to turn to Jesus, it's all the more urgent for us to turn to him now. We need to acknowledge him on his terms. We can't namby-pamby around thinking what we want of Jesus, you know, that he was a nice guy. He had a few nice things to say. He's not a nice guy. He is the Lord and King and Judge of all the earth, the only one who can save us from sin and the wrath of God. He's the only one who can bring us to the Father. This is the truth, and it's the truth our world needs to hear. Back then, Jesus sent 72 messengers out. Today, the Lord Jesus sends out the millions of people who call him Lord. Our world desperately needs to hear that the kingdom of God is near. Your neighbour, your friend, your street, your town, your country, this planet, it urgently needs to hear of Christ risen from the dead and that because of him we can be saved we can be included among God's precious people. The time's coming when it'll be too late. They need to know about Jesus now. You don't get rescued from being dr- drowning in the sea and as you're sitting in the lifeboat and you pass some others who are drowning, you don't let them know that you'll come back in the morning. You don't look into their pleading eyes And watch them float by. Friends, the time of salvation is now. It is urgent. Jesus will return. Judgment day is coming. We need to tell the world about him now. So let people know that you go to church. Ask people questions about what they think about God and life. Find out where people are coming from. What do they already know about Jesus? What misconceptions might they have about him? And then help them to see how Jesus makes sense of life. Help them to appreciate the majesty of Christ. Help them to know that Jesus Christ is the only Lord and King and Saviour of the world. Brothers and sisters, we live in urgent times because the Christ has come. And he's coming again. But look, maybe you're here and you know that you need to come to terms with who Jesus is because in all honesty, you don't acknowledge him as the Lord of your life. That Jesus claims of being totally supreme over all things you haven't lived as if that's true, as if he's true. 
And if the Lord Jesus Christ did return now, you know you wouldn't be ready. And that would be a terrifying meeting. Friends, this is the wonderful news of Christ, that now is the time of salvation. Our time hasn't run out, not yet. So today, turn to God. Acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and your Master, your God and your Saviour. Ask God to forgive you for trying to run your own life instead of trusting the Lord Jesus to rule over you. Turn to God today because today it's not too late. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, please help each and every one of us to understand your Son, that we are dwarfed by him, that, Father, he is Lord and we are not. He is King and he is Saviour. And so, Father, please help us to cut through any of our pride or any of our self-deceptions, but, Father, please help us to acknowledge Jesus for who he is, to trust him to be our Lord and our God and to enjoy his wonderful forgiveness and being made your own dear children. Father, please help us, we pray, and help us to tell this world that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ask it for his sake and in his name. Amen.